All right, good afternoon, everybody. We are back. Union Soccer Talk. We got a lot to talk about. It's been a little about, a little while since the last time we've had a, a conversation with everybody out there. Uh, all three of us together. You guys got together for a little preview of uh, the Montreal game with the Union last night and Team USA. Uh, but all three of us, here we are. Joe Tanzi, Ryan Els, Sean Brace. And I'm going to start off and say, boys, Team USA, every time this Gold Cup comes to town, uh, I get more hungover and more hungover every day. <laughs> Not nothing at all to do with with your with your age. No, yeah, nothing at yeah, all. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, and and you know what the problem is the problem is it's it's not the pregame beers. It's the post-game beers. <laughs> and and I'm not one for post-game beers because we all got to be somewhere. But when there's a Kendrick Lamar concert being let out at the exact same oh. time, it was just mayhem last night getting out of that building, getting out of the link. But, uh, hey, man, when Team USA wins 2 nothing, not the best performance. We're going to touch on that. Uh, but all in all, hey, we walked out of there a, a winner. Moving on. Um, you know, everybody was happy. Everybody was excited. Walking out to the parking lot, had a couple beverages out there. Did you guys? Uh, did you guys take a bite out of anything? On did the, not on, on the way no. out of the stadium. And did I you guys behave yourselves. No, no touching nipples either. No touching <laughs> nipples. Kept your hands to yourself, Sean. Yes. Okay. So we're gonna get into. I'm proud of you. We're definitely gonna get into that, uh, Josie Outdoor and uh, Omar. Omar, Omar Gonzalez. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. No, I know it either. Yeah. Uh, Ryan and I were uh, in the stands. Joe was in the press box. He was down there in the uh, the post game for the locker room. He got all great quotes. Uh, make sure you check out his stuff that uh, he put out there. Give him the link, uh, Joe, please. Just follow me on Twitter at JTansy90. Everything is I think it was right a, there. I think it was the first time all three of us were in a stadium together yeah, how about since that? we started doing this. So yeah. it's you know a bit of Union Soccer Talk hey, history right there. Very nice. <laughs> and a couple guys turned into zombies. So, I mean, that's a, a bad <laughs> sign for anybody who – we see play next. Yeah. So, uh, so whatever union players you want us to turn into zombies next, just please, just you know, send them on over. Yeah. Well, we're gonna touch on the union in Montreal, but first things first. I mean, obviously, Team USA in our backyard, Gold Cup. Uh, I was I was looking forward to it. I know everybody else was. The tailgates were crazy. Uh, and I'll be honest, you know, last year who'd they play in the in the Gold Paraguay. Cup? Paraguay. Paraguay in the Copa. Yeah. Yeah. Last year it just seemed like there was craziness. Like the the, the stands were filled up a little bit more. Yesterday, I get there and El Salvador, man, those those dudes, those fans were a little they crazy. Showed mm-hmm. They, showed they were up. crazy, and then I caught the replay of the game on uh, on FS1, and um, right in the beginning, they said El Salvador is, is about half the crowd here. You know, fifty fifty. He said even split, and I think even that's generous. I think you could even give a little bit bump up to the blue shirts, but. Uh, I was disappointed with how many American butts were in the seats. I went ahead and put it on Twitter. I don't want to take the shine off the people that were there, the AOs, everybody that was representing. But come on, man. When Team USA is in our backyard, we got to do a better job. That's all I'm going to say. No, I completely agree. And I, and I think I was thinking about this uh, as, on the drive over here, which is my favorite drive. I love I love the school kill show. Oh, nice. thanks, thanks for living so far out now. Yes. Um, no, but I just I think there's national team fatigue, especially when there's a B team in town. Because going back to 2013, you got Gold Cup, World Cup, Gold Cup, Copa, Gold Cup. Then next summer's World Cup, and then you got another Gold Cup. I just think there's national team fatigue uh, for, for the summers. And I kind of, I don't know why. I, I'm sure it has something to do with revenue. I don't know why the Gold Cup is every two years. Every other international tournament from you know, Copa America, except for last year with the, the Centenario, to the UEFA Champions, uh, Champions uh, Championship. Yeah, yeah, the Euros. There we go. Sorry. Um, they're all four years. And I just think that when you have every two years, you've got 
you know, a tournament to look forward to, I think it's fatigue. I really, really do. And also to kind of harp on that point, I, I kind of looked at, it, looked at it this way is in 2015, I remember a lot of the, there was a lot of games on the East coast. Mm-hmm. I think all of the knockout round for the most part was on the East coast. You had the quarterfinals at Baltimore, MetLife, Atlanta, and the final in Philly. Right. The good news is, if you want to, you know, look at it at this way, they are spreading it geographically with different sites because this year they're playing the final at the 49ers Stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, the semis are, are at AT&T Stadium and, and the Rose Bowl, I believe. You know, Mexico and uh, Honduras and Canada, Jamaica are playing at uh, in Glendale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, and you look at all the the group sites. You know, for the most part, they were different. Oh, from, from 2015, you know, bar you know, with Philly being one of the few exceptions, and I, I agree with you. There's been a lot of international soccer played here, mm-hmm. and especially with a combination of the B team, uh, even with new additions um, of the A team, the Heat obviously had something to do with it, and you know, you have a team like, look at it from the El Salvador perspective. You know, they're playing the USA. They're probably not going to win, but they're going to go out and have a good time and support their team regardless of what happens. Yeah. There's not that um, that level of excitement, I don't think, with every game the U.S. plays just because they're expected to win so much. And with El Salvador being the underdog, obviously there's, you know, every chance you get to see them and support them. And, and they also don't play big games like this. True. They, right. they only play, have a chance to play games like this every two years or in the opening stages of World Cup qualifying right. before the hex. So there is a big difference, and that's why I kind of I understand how much the difference, and I understand exactly why it may not have been as big of a U.S. crowd as we expected because, you know, you have a little fatigue from mm-hmm. the national team. You know, it's hot out. You're playing a, a B team mostly. And then you know El Salvador has a, you know has a better shot at drawing this crowd because there's less volume mm-hmm. of their team in this area or in the states in general. So I think it's a combination of everything. Should the crowd have been a little more pro U.S.? Absolutely. I just want more butts but, in the seats. That's all I yeah. wanted. Well, also, I just, and it, and it did look empty because I believe they I believe what they do is because they did this for the Paraguay game and the Copa last year is the some of the upper level seats on the side of the press box aren't available for sale. Right. Mm-hmm. They're empty. Sure. So that leap and also it but, has but, but last year in the Paraguay, that middle bowl, the club level, there yes. was yeah. no uh, yeah it was. we had a whole row to ourselves in the club, yeah. the club yeah. level. It was actually kinda nice. Yeah it was. But <laughs> it, they also use that, you know, as it's something that other stadiums don't do properly is it also gives you a better T V angle. Right. It gives you better aesthetics yeah. that, you know, the press box is on the side where the, the benches were. Right. You know, that's where the press box, the commentary booths are. And looking out, you see pretty much the, the whole lower bowl full. And, you know, True. Most, yeah. of the, most of the upper bowl at least filled with fans. Not yep. packed, but there are fans there. And let's flip so it around I, and show the other ex- side. Exactly. Yeah. So it's part of the give and take where in some stadiums you see that they don't do that. And it makes it look like an empty stadium. Right. So, you know, from a TV perspective, if you're watching home, yeah, it seemed like a lot of people are there, but there were also a lot of empty spots on 
that side of the field and, you know, in the upper bowls as well. But yeah, it's, you know, you, you probably expect better from such a, a sports town like, like Philly. Well, yeah. No, on top of that though, I mean, just to, you know, come to the, the defense a little bit, you know, when Paraguay, we knew it was group stage, so we knew the U.S. was playing months in advance. Tampa, Nashville, Cleveland, same thing. They knew that the U.S. was playing. Well, they knew the U.S. was playing here regardless. Well, with the, with the Philly. Yeah, with, no, no, with right, the right, but, was, but, yeah. I mean, like, my dad didn't buy tickets until he absolutely knew, and right. I don't think he was the— No, they were, you know, but, the they, but they were absolutely the group B first place and runner-up right. were both part of this deal— from the start. No, 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 no. And yeah. I, know, I know that, but I'm saying, in spite of that, people like my dad didn't buy tickets until they absolutely oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, were yeah, yeah. certain. No, you know. I agree, yeah. And look, like I said, I don't want to take the shine off of the people that were there um, because, you know, it, like you said, everything you just said, all those excuses, the people that were there went oh, through the heat. Yeah. Had to deal with the parking, all that. So the shine needs to be put on the people that were there. Uh, just, you know, you said it last night. If something, if we were to get a World Cup, you know, is Philadelphia, you would like to believe that we would have an opportunity to get a game, but thirty-one thousand—that's not good. And thirty-one thousand is generous. Yeah, right. That was a lot of uh, paid attendance. Yeah, but so. it, if you if you do look at like World Cup sites and everything, I think Philly and we this is this has kind of been thrown out there on Twitter just. So you know it's true. Kind of, <laughs> kind of jokingly, but like how this would be really cool. When the World Cup does come in 2026, it will be the 250th anniversary okay. of the country yep. and have Philadelphia involved possibly on a July 4th game. Right. Possibly with the, you know, and there have been some people out there, oh, well, what if the USA plays England on, on July 4th, 2026 in a, in a game? That's I cool. think regardless, I think that's something that will obviously be taken into mind and consideration. Yeah. And, and you've seen uh, with Philly hosting the Gold Cup final, hosting... There's a reason why they, these big tournaments keep coming back. Yeah, I mean, Philly's perfect. perfect. Philly's perfect. You know, it's not Jersey. It's not MetLife. Although, there's not really anything wrong with MetLife. No. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's big. You know, it's yeah. not in New York it's, City. It's big, and they can, they can get a lot of people to yeah. come there. Yeah. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, you're not going to play a World Cup game at, at Foxborough. No. Unless Robert, you know, Robert yeah. Kraft. I mean, Robert Kraft was, you know, named like an honorary chairman of the right. bid. But unless he's got like some uber pull in that you're not bringing him to he is you know. friends with the president of the united states you, yeah make that call <laughs> um sure, but, but yeah i'm I mean, sure don doesn't like soccer sean <laughs> but i mean you know where where are you gonna put where are you gonna put a game in dc you know yeah i mean not rfk that's for sure rfk is gonna be down by then yeah and, and the new dc stadium is gonna be too small so i think it's gonna you have to look at it as you know all of these are really just test runs for yeah. how how the world cup is going to be we know philadelphia can handle a big event yeah. we know they can handle you know one you know two you know if it's group stage they're playing it basically if they're selected they're going to host more than one game yeah, yeah. it's going to be multiple games throughout a couple stretches of of weeks so i think that's one of the things where you have to look at it whereas they're they're going to be i think it's almost a, a stone cold lock that they would be in some part of that World Cup bid. Well, the only thing that, that it's much more of a shallow pool when you add in the, the Mexico uh, stadiums and then, and the Canadian stadium as well. So it's a much more shallow pool. I mean, it could have been a sure thing if it was just a U.S. But bid. you're going to have, you also got to remember there are going to be more teams in the World Cup then too. Yeah, that's true. So there's more games to choose from. And I believe the breakdown is only 10 or 12 games in, in each country in Canada and Mexico. 
75, 80% of the games are still going to be in the States. Right. So, I mean, you're going to play games at Azteca, maybe BMO Field in Toronto, BC Place in yeah, Vancouver, we'll be, and, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's it. You yeah, know, yeah. most of the games are going to be on, in the NFL stadiums. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the game um, since we just killed the atmosphere there. We're all over it. No, I mean, you know, shout out to those who did show up. Let's absolutely, no, no, it's just I didn't mean it like Including that. Including you, Sean Brace. I mean, it was a good time. It was I had a, a good great time, time. and um, I love it. I love. I tell everyone, um, you know, whether you've been to a soccer game or not, football game, baseball game, whatever. There's nothing like USA. We're all in it together. The walk-in is crazy. Everybody's singing. Um, you know, the, the, the smoke bombs going off. Really cool. Really By the way, cool. can I just say this real quick? And I tweeted this out last night, and this isn't oh, anywhere. You're, you're this way, is, this you, is, you could not be more wrong, but go ahead and tell the people, <laughs> please. I read it. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I love you. From, from what sizzling from, hot. From, I know it's sizzling hot, but from what from what I've seen and from what I've seen, you know, all these different stadiums, I think, and, you know, this may be biased because I, I do go to soccer games more than – any other sport? How many Eagles games have you been to? How many I Eagles haven't been to you? many. I have not been to many. Okay. I I will I will go out on the record and say that. What the hell did he say? But I, think, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I read the tweet and I was like, I don't even want to respond. What did he say? <laughs> oh just, my god! But I, I I think soccer tailgates are, are the best tailgates. He said, yeah, right. That's basically what you said, right? Yeah. Word for word. Yeah. yeah. And I, I read the tweet. You said hot take though, like you knew you were semi trolling, yeah. but you meant it. Uh, you know, and and I just. All I'm going to speak from is just Eagles. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy down there on Sundays. These dudes are lined up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and not just 10 or 15. I mean, it goes all the way around Xfinity Live, all the way down the, the Patterson uh, Avenue. I, I think they're different. Let's put it that way. Okay, they I are. Think, yeah. Okay, because I didn't see a single 18-wheeler that folded up into yeah. a bar last night. Okay, that's what I see it. But I will give you this. I think soccer tailgates are much more communal yes people they are, are yes. totally much Absolutely. more communal and i've said and that about eagles and, and my boy Iraq. you yeah. know the, the the eagles tailgate team they do a great job and they try and invite everybody out there yeah. like i want one gigantic tailgate to at least go check into mm-hmm. at eagles games of tombo but you know just regard like you said the 18 wheel i mean dude in the k-lot just walk through the k-lot yeah, on it's sunday nuts. morning because that's where the money is yeah <laughs> and just go see like you're like dude what? Like, what'd you do? Rent that today? He's like, no, I own it. Yeah. I use it eight times a year. Yeah. Every home game. It's like, it's an 18 wheeler. It folds down, you know, kegerator, you know, the stage pops mm-hmm. down. You got a Bruno Mars imitator going on. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's what happens at Eagles games. But yeah. like you said, I think it, it's, it, it, it's bigger, the AO, the singing. Mm-hmm. You don't get that in Eagles games. No, you don't There's get that. There's no walk-in. No. You know, I was walking. And I think that'd be so cool for an Eagles yes. game. Yeah. I walked. I met a funny thing yesterday. I was on my way to SEPTA, taking SEPTA down to the, 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 to the link. And Bobby Mansure, who is the lead singer for the Eagles pep band, who I've known for years, I've done a bunch, sits down right next to me. What up, Bobby? And so then two dudes walk on with USA jerseys. We get, we're getting off Suburban. And then the guy was like, uh, you, know, what, what, you know what time we're walking in? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But check out the uh, AO Philly, I'm sure. They you know, tweeted out, whatever. And then Bobby was like, what the hell is a walk-in? He had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's been invested in Eagle football for years, mm-hmm. decades. And he had no clue what a walk-in was. I've pitched it. Yeah, I've, I've said great, it before. It's like, a great idea. We should do a walk-in for mm-hmm. Eagles games. But 
You know, it's just tough. One yeah. last thing while we're on the subject. Go for it. Can we please, can the Eagles get an away section fans? Like, is fan zone, like, just oh, oh, put all Cowboys and Giants fan in one section, cage them off like they do in Europe. I'm tired of it. They don't try. No, yeah, you're right. In Europe, if you're in a, you're, you're in a caged yeah. off section all by yourself. And they give you the security row. They give the yeah. security. Uh, just put them I'm in a barbed wire fence. Put them away, please. Eagles, look into that. Uh, all right, let's talk about the game. All right. Two nothing victory. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was a game, wasn't there? Uh, you know, sloppy a little bit in the beginning. Joe, I want to get your take. I want to hear what they had to say in the in I am the, chomping the at the bit to get into this analysis. But, you know, just <laughs> final five minutes, they put two on the board. I got to give it up to Michael Bradley. I thought he played a good game. Mm-hmm. What I did come away with yesterday feeling is if Michael Bradley isn't out on the field, I feel like there's a, a, a lack of somebody being the general. Yeah, no, that is that's his it. nickname. The, that's that's exactly why the B team was selected for the Gold Cup. You, that's I couldn't give you a better reason why there are guys trying out for these spots now, because you look at these group stage games. There wasn't really that true, true leader out there on the field. But Michael Bradley, as much, and I'll, I'll never understand this as much as I'll never understand the Alejandro Bedoya hate. Why you know why he gets so much crap for how he plays? Like without him, a lot of things fall apart, and we've yeah. seen that you know throughout the years that you know certain games just don't go as well with him him there. Um, but you you also look at your Kellen Acosta's, your Christian Roldan's of the world that are going to try and fill that role, and that's exactly what the group stage was for. I assume we'll see Acosta and Bradley play together against Costa Rica. That probably makes the most sense. Uh, but yeah, no, there's definitely a sense of, of calm when Michael Bradley's out there. Yeah. And, and and that delivery on that free kick to Omar Gonzalez was, perfect. was spectacular. His corners, I thought, yep. were on point all night. Mm-hmm. Michael Bradley played a good game, and then we yeah. were talking. We're like, is he the man of the match? And he, he was. was. Yeah, I, he was. Turned out to be. I think the uh, there was, when Bradley first came on the U.S. national scene, I think there was a lot of nepotism. Or that accusations sure. yeah. of nepotism um i know uh for me personally i kind of felt that way and then i shut up in 2010 when he put that uh studs up goal into slovenia to uh, to tie it up um and i you know when he's on the field there is a calmness that you don't see when he's not it's it, it when he gets the ball it calms down things go into place and and uh and the team's allowed to uh, to move forward he's a true true i mean he's a true professional yeah. and, you, and you also look at this is there's still a big difference between the A team and the B team. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. it's a and we've seen it these last four or five games in July. There's still a huge gap between these teams. Mm-hmm. You know, when you plug in Omar Gonzalez, Michael Bradley, Tim Howard, Clint Dempsey, Josie Altador, Darlington Nagby, that six first teamers you have there, and it's completely different from what you may have with a a Roldan, a Rowe, you know, even a Dom Dwyer who even has been playing well. You know, Omar Gonzalez, you know, could probably be selected, you know, as, as man of the match, too, because I, I think he had as terrible as that back line looked for, for instances, he was still, you know, a calming force there. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as the Gold Cup has been about developing certain players and yes, some of these players on the roster will not be there in September for the qualifying games or in, in Russia, but there's going to be the Saturday night semifinal is going to be very interesting for me to watch from a couple angles. The revenge factor, because remember the U.S. took that that beating 
in San Jose at the start of the hex. And there are guys, you know, obviously players are different, but some of the core guys admitted last night postgame, it still hurts. You know, Josie Altha was very honest with us. He said it, it still hurts. It still lingers a little bit. You also play them in September mm-hmm. at Red Bull Arena in that qualif- in a crucial qualifier that you could basically lock, for lack of a better term, you can lock up qualification or top three spot in the hex with a win based off, you know, who else is left on the schedule. So Saturday's going to be very important for the psyche of this U.S. team. Yeah, The last four games have been important for the development and building up. Now, it, now the real games happen. Saturday and then the final next Wednesday. Those are the games that matter. Gold Cup has served its purpose, but like you said, there's still a huge difference between this A and the B team. And oh, yeah. These players are only going to get better. Mm-hmm. The players coming through the systems that are playing in Europe, that are homegrowns in MLS, coming through academies, they're only going to get better. That's, you know, you're, I'm not saying you're going to see 20 Pulisic's playing out in the field, but you're going to see guys that serve purposes better than, say, some guys that you've seen in the past 10 years in the U.S. National Team. I can't wait to see him back on the field, too, because I, yeah. I, I just, that's all that kept on going through my mind. <laughs> I wish he was out there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, the kid brings so much energy, and he's so skilled. And uh, he would have really shined last night. I thought that um, there was two players. I'm not even going to try and feel like I know who they were. Number ten and number eleven for uh, for for um, oh, it's a lot for El Salvador. Yes, for El Salvador last night, eleven and ten. Mm-hmm. They were all over the place. They were very short, you know, yeah. sparky in the beginning. I was just like, uh oh, this could be dangerous. You know, I was joking. I was like looking like a mm-hmm. miniature Giovinco out there. But you know, bottom With- line is. It looked like they had some guys that can make some plays. No, they and everybody. Everybody, I think the, the consensus is also Zelaya is one of them, uh, and I forget who the number ten. I is. got it. It's um, uh, Gerson Meyer. Oh yeah, Mayan. Yeah, Mayan. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, look, the biggest takeaway I think as a whole from Concacaf this whole tournament is that the entire region has got better, mm-hmm. and MLS has a huge role to play in that. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Darwin Seren who played for El Salvador last night. He plays for the Earthquakes. You know, Jamaica has benefited greatly from it. You know, you see all these MLS guys. Canada has benefited greatly from it, especially with, you know, those academies up there. Honduras and Costa Rica have plenty of MLS talent as well. So the, the whole of CONCACAF has really gotten better. And that's great. I think, I think that's one of the big, the best takeaway you can, can take from this Gold Cup already. Yeah. That, we know everybody was always going to play the U.S. and Mexico tough with their, their best games, but now the whole region's better. I'm not saying this is Europe where every game is going to be a bloodbath in the Euros and, or, or, you know, in Copa America where everybody, you know, knows each other so well, but it's getting there. Oh, yeah. Man. It's going to take a while to, to get there, just like MLS will take a while to get to, to reach, to even be compared to a European league, but... The region as a whole, comparing 2015 to 2017, has definitely improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have noticed that. Uh, watched a couple of games so far. I mean, I love when you come home and it's really the only thing on. We're yeah. not watching Phillies at this point. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they look good at, at moments in the beginning. There was that one miscue where who, who tried to kick it back. Eric Lee, oh, yeah. yeah. And who, who, by the way, I think had one of the – has been one of the better performers. Yeah. And that's that right back spot, such a, a spot of need right now, mm-hmm. where I think he's been one of the guys that's actually 
we might see in September because and you also think of this this is his preseason he plays wow. for Nottingham Forest yeah you know he's most of these guys are in season with MLS and, and Liga MX this guy's playing in, in Europe and I mean if, if he makes the World Cup it's gonna be a really long season for him that's I mean, <laughs> that, that's that's for he's gonna be playing 12 months straight but like you look at a player like that who's really made an impact and I think that's one of the big takeaways, you know, he's one of the four or five players you can say, hey, this guy can legitimately make a case for at least the rest of the hex. And Timmy came out and made that save and never looked back from that point on. And obviously, you know, a couple minutes later, whatever, 10, 15 minutes later it was, you, or uh, USA gets on the board and they put another one in before the half, 2 nothing. That's all we needed. Let's talk a little bit about the dirty play because I, I only saw the one bite and that was on replay when I was, you know, just watching on my phone, and I come home, and I, I had no idea Omar Gonzalez got no one, as well. no one had any idea really. Jeez. I think we just kind of we were all wrapped up in the the Josie Altidore incident, where when Omar Gonzalez mentioned at post game, we're like, you got bit too. Wow. Um, it's just as as crazy as it sounds, and I know in any other part of the world this would be like, oh my gosh. Why would this happen? Such a travesty. This is CONCACAF. You know, I'm used to seeing bizarre things. I'm not used to seeing biting. Multiple bites. I I think a team needs to, uh, you know, you got multiple biters. Was it a different guy? It was two different guys, yeah. <laughs> you know, Rome- like, Romero was the guy who bit out the door, and then Darwin Seren got, got Gonzalez. Oh, this team don't need to be on the national stage if that's the case. You better control they, your players. There, there's got to be some now, granted, being CONCACAF, who, who knows yeah. what the heck's going to happen. But I think, you know, you have to punish them a little bit. What did Suarez get? Suarez got, what, like six months or something crazy like that? Or? Well, he also had multiple yeah, offenses. He had multiple yeah, offenses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a serial biter. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, so, yeah. but it's got to be, I mean, along those lines, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you set the, the precedents already out there, maybe not as severe because you're right, it is multiple, but some sort of punishment's got to come. You can't bite people. No, no one's, no one's going to, no, that's just giving football, or I'm sorry, the ammunition to the football fan who says he's never going to like soccer because look, 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 you, mm-hmm. you can't even do that. So, I mean, yeah, the biting is it's just, just bad for the whole game. Biting and spitting, you know, those are yeah. the two things you just, no. I can, I can understand, and this is how most of the game was played last night. Bruce Arena was very, quick to point it out in post game that there was a lot of fouls a lot of falling on the ground all that nonsense and look we see that a lot in CONCACAF you're gonna you're you're gonna you're gonna watch ugly games anywhere in the world on a big stage at some point but for it to go to that extent I think was just out of, ugly. out of hand. Yeah, it was ugly. And, you know, I know t- people get fired up, especially when it's a 2 nothing game, and who knows what was being said. But and, and I'm okay. Like, don't take this the wrong way. One bite, you know, I'm not going to go crazy. Somebody messed up. You know, they got the, 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 their emotions the got the best of them. Yeah. yeah. But two biters, and then we don't know. Did, mm-hmm. Does anybody else get bit? You know, yeah. like, well, show of hands, did you get bit? You know, so something's got to be done. Hopefully something is done because that cannot be allowed. Yeah, it's like great raise your hand if you need a tetanus shot before the Coast 3 game. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, 2 nothing victory, Team USA. Very, very cool. Saturday night, Costa Rica at? Glendale. No. No, at the Cowboys Stadium. At the Stadium. Cowboys Stadium. Stadium. Yeah, yeah, right. Stadium. Late, it's, late, it's a late game. So yeah, it's like 9-15 again. Later than that. Ooh. Is it really? 
Jeez. Well, it's going to give me something to watch at Fox 29. So yeah. I think it's it's night. after the union game, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we got a little bit of that. And speaking of the union, uh, well, let me do this. Just any last thoughts, Ryan, from last night? Anything you want to say, Team USA, moving forward? Anything? No, I mean, I uh, I expect a, a battle against Costa Rica coming up. Um, and, you know, we'll see if the uh, the B Team Plus, as I call it now, that they've brought in the, uh, the reinforcements can, uh, can handle it. I expect them to win. But if Costa Rica comes out and, and is able to pull out a win against the U.S., I, I can't say I'd be terribly surprised. Joe Tanzi, final words, Team USA, anything? Nothing Nothing else that I haven't said. I mean, it's the big tests that are ahead. Saturday and then as long as everything goes to plan, Wednesday against Mexico. And no Bedoya? He's, he's out? Bedoya's out. He'll be with the Union on Saturday. Okay, cool. Good, good, good. All right, perfect. That uh, you know puts away Team USA for right now. Obviously, we're going to get into a little bit of uh, the Union who lost last night at Montreal. Do we Great have, crowd. Do we, do we have, yeah, do we, just we a have, little bit. Hey, we have I to, came have, home. Do we have to talk about I that game? I watched it on DVR. I'm dedicated. <laughs> I passed bless, out while I watched bless, it. Bless your heart, Sean And, and I woke bless up your and heart. I rewatched it again this How morning. How drunk were you, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Did, did, did your, your 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 score app not oh. tell you how bad it was? Hey, Fafa looked good when the ball was kicked right to him. <laughs> you know? he, he did read the ball well. Yes, I he will, did. He read it well. Yes, he did. He can't I, hey, I look I look good when the ball is kicked yeah, right, right to you. Exactly. Uh, but uh, before we get into that, our takes, Joe, you caught up with Andrew King, who covers the crew, um, to give us his take on who, uh, who actually the Columbus crew are right now because we got a home and away with them. Yeah, home and home. So uh, check home this, and away. Home yeah, yeah home, you know, same thing. You we, said we, it right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, two games against the crew in short succession, I think it's something that obviously the Union have to take advantage of losing in Montreal. So uh, talked about 10, 15 minutes, giving you guys a, a preview on all things crew, what to expect from them uh, over the two games, really, because I think that's something we have to kind of look at. So here's this. Hope you enjoy it. And then we'll be back with a little bit of a, a preview. Joining us this week on the Union Soccer Talk podcast is Andrew King. He covers the Columbus crew for MLSsoccer.com. Uh, big home and home for, for both teams, really, uh, these next couple days. Uh, Andrew, how are you doing? Excellent. How are you? Good, good. Um, so I know the crew caught a lot of eyes at the beginning of the year. Um, what have you seen from them, I guess, these last couple months, uh, the things that need to be improved on for this playoff stretch? Yeah, I mean, really their problem has been uh, consistency thus far. And I know that's not unique to them uh, necessarily. It's kind of an MLS-wide thing. But um, they really just haven't looked like the same team for, uh, you know, very very many games in a row throughout the stretch. They've used a lot of different formations. They've used a lot of different personnel. They've, uh, you know, even when some of the personnel have been similar, they've looked, looked, uh, looked different week to week. So really they're just still kind of rounding into who they're going to be as a team thus far. How much emphasis is being put on these uh, these next couple games? I know the union have put a lot of a lot of it on it just because you know they need to keep up the the run they they've been on. But from a crew perspective, how important is is this home and home series? Yeah, I mean they're they're kind of trying to find some momentum. So I, I think two games against the same team is, is is an important way that they can do that. Um, I mean, obviously, anytime they're playing an Eastern team, they're gonna want to get those points um but especially given that the union you know are probably going to be uh one of the teams that are competing for one of the last playoff spots with um i think it's it's a big deal to at least for, for them to at least get a you know a few points from this, from this home and home. i know one of the things the union and the crew kind of have in common is there's a there's a lot of wingers on each team and uh that 
that trade they made for Kakuta Mane earlier in the season hasn't really kind of paid off yet. I would is that is that the probably the white right to describe that? Yeah, I mean, um, he spent the first like two plus full months, um, you know, not even really being able to get on the field. So I uh, I don't think it's much of a stretch to say it hasn't paid off yet. Um, but if he did, I mean, he has scored a couple of goals in the last few weeks. Um, got another assist. He kind of uh, burst onto the scene as a substitute and got a, a goal and an assist in a game a couple weeks ago. So um, he has shown signs lately, which has got to be encouraging for the coaching staff. But um, he certainly hasn't come in and you know made the spot his own or anything like that. And Ethan Finley's also been been down a bit this year from his uh, you know his past few seasons. So. Um, they're really kind of struggling for answers on the wing, despite having, uh, despite having, uh, you know, a lot of options there. I know a few of the guys that obviously stick out right right away. Uh, Justin Merrim's one of the guys. Uh, Federico Higuain always does. Um, how important are, are guys like that, and how, how have they been this year? I know Miram had a, a terrific start. How how important have those guys kind of been uh, throughout the year, while some of the other guys have been struggling? Yeah, those two in particular have been pretty huge. I mean, the way Columbus plays with their with their uh, I guess traditional, if you will, four two three one, it puts Seguin in the middle of everything. So he kind of really runs the show for them. So when he's um, you know doing that, in addition to scoring goals and assists, um, you know he's really a, a huge difference maker. Um, and Justin Mir has been has been pretty great, pretty consistently all season long. He almost always looks like the most dangerous player on the field. So. Um, he's really uh, not quite a bonus for them, but he's giving them, you know, another option to Egwene to, to kind of run the team, and he plays a little differently, a little more direct. So um, he's been he's been crazy important. I know there's, uh, you know, with Zach Steffen stepping in the goal this year, you know, he's got some local connections around here. Uh, if you could just kind of describe how how he's kind of fit into the squad and and how well he's been uh, performing so far. Yeah, I think he's been really good, actually. He. Uh, you know, he replaced Steve Clark, who was there, you know, really consistently for three years, but I think like 100 games in a row or, or whatever. So um, he definitely had some some consistent and, and big shoes to fill. Um, but he's been, been very good, I think, for the most part. He's got a, an ever-changing back line in front of him, which isn't easy for any goalkeeper, let alone a young one like him. Um, but I think he's responded really well. And he's, he's shown why Graber Halter was, you know, willing to I know, you know we've talked about some of the guys that, that stick out right away on paper, but for someone who may have not have watched a ton of Columbus games this year, uh, who are the guys that may be doing all the dirty work that we should be paying more attention to in, in that team? Well, everybody knows the name Will Trapp, but he doesn't necessarily get all the headlines because he doesn't score a lot of goals or get a lot of assists, but he's as important to them as, as anybody, um, you know, sort of being the metronome in that midfield. But um, his partner uh, in midfield, Archer from, from Brazil, he's a, a young guy from Brazil that they brought in on loan this year, and nobody really knew who he was. But um, he's become really important to what they do, uh, giving you know an energetic presence next to next to Trap in the midfield and picking up attacks and uh, you know being willing to charge forward with the ball. So, um, he's a guy that not a lot of people around the league know yet still, um, and uh, he's become pretty pretty integral to the way that they play. I know you mentioned that that the kind of defensive setup's been a little, you know, here and there. A lot of guys coming in and out. Um, 
with the, the Mensa signing that happened at the start of the year, is that one of those things where it's just hasn't panned out yet or is it just a matter of finding the right combination in defense what what's i guess the the biggest issue concerning that that crew defense right now yeah i mean the list is long it's kind of a mess to be honest with you um the mensa thing really hasn't hasn't worked out he's the least top paid defender i believe um at least out and out defender um but he's uh, he's he's making individual mistakes. He's making organizational mistakes. You know, it's not like he's just out there unsure of where he needs to be and he needs to be on the same page with guys. He's you know whiffing on things in the air. Um, you know, a couple of months ago he came in as a or I guess a month or so ago he came in as a substitute and immediately lost an aerial duel to Alan Gordon to lose the game in Colorado. Like uh, just little stuff like that. You know, individual plays uh, things he's not making. So. I think a lot of people uh, around here are pretty worried about the fact that he hasn't shown a lot of indication that he's worth uh, worth that big figure. So he's definitely a part of it, but um, the rest is really just consistency. They really just haven't been able to, to figure out a, a partner for him um, or, you know, another two pairing that, that, that works better. I know, you know, with August coming up and this push run to the playoffs, uh, you know, a lot of focus is being put on the red line and, and what the Eastern Conference is looking like uh, at this point. Is there a ton of urgency right now? I know it's kind of been mentioned by Jim Curtin on, on this side, but with these two teams being so close with each other, I think a lot of people are starting to assume there might only be two playoff spots up for grabs with the way the top four are playing. Is is there any urgency starting from, from the camp, or is it still... You know, just get the results and then wait till August, September for that to kind of kick in. I would say that from, you know, Columbus fans, there's there's definitely some urgency. I think people are getting antsy, especially after the way that last year went, such a disappointing season for them. Um, but Greg Berholder and his staff work really hard to put this, you know, one game at a time mentality in place, as cliched as it is, but um, it really seems to filter down to the players. And so... Um, you're you're uh, not likely to get out of them that sense of urgency necessarily, but um, I do think that they're that they're disappointed with how the season has gone thus far, and that they're not a little bit higher up. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say they're complacent or you know not worried about it either. I know you've probably seen a, a few different teams than than we have, um, but I think it, is it safe to to say that the agreement starting to come around the, the whole league is that the East is probably better than than the west this year oh yeah i don't know i'm not sure how you could really dispute that i mean dallas is dallas and and obviously they're they're top to bottom really good um and i think kansas city has shown that they can play with and beat and defend anybody but um that top four in the east is really really good i think those might be four of the best you know maybe five teams in the league so um i think it's really hard to hard to make an argument that they're even or that that the West is better. So, I, I think we can. I think we can make the argument on, on from a union perspective. I, I think you could too from a crew perspective that anytime you play these teams at the bottom of the table, it's huge and um, is it just one of those things now where you, you have to you have to win these games. Maybe get four points if you're a if you're a crew fan to to feel comfortable. Is that I guess you know something that. I, some of the Union fans could feel comfortable with too, but would you think? I think four points would probably be the best result for the for the crew from this home and home, other than obviously winning twice. Yeah, I mean, I think 
you know, I think if you just look at it on paper, crew fans would, would look at it as, you know, this is the team below us in the standings. Um, there are a lot of points to go around in the East, um, and we're coming off of, you know, getting everybody healthy, getting everybody back in the swing of things. So uh, I, I think crew fans would be disappointed at anything less than from these two. Um, you know, it's never easy to go on the road and get a point in MLS because MLS is MLS. Um, but I think that that is the expectation. Um, and, you know, anything else would probably be seen as a missed opportunity for sure. Andrew, I appreciate it. That's uh, Andrew King, covers the crew for MLSsoccer.com here on the, the Union Soccer Talk podcast. Uh, hey, Joe, great stuff. Andrew King, greatly appreciate a couple minutes of his time, giving us up to date on what's happening with the Columbus crew. That was a great interview. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous. Amazing. Uh, no, it really was. It really was. Uh, so let's talk about the Philadelphia Union. Disappointing game against Montreal. Good crowd. Hey, man, good crowd. I was like, hey, Montreal, all right, look really good from the aerial views, all blued up. Uh, Union are 1-5-1 one, one at Montreal, not the easiest place to win um, in the history of the franchise. Saw some other numbers last night that just showed you, like, the Union have not been able to play well at Montreal at all. And 1-5-3 one, one, and three on the road as a whole this year, too. So Oof. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, remember, Ryan and I were talking before the show, this is the team that they were up three to nothing at home and coughed mm-hmm. it up. This yeah. is the three three tie. So it would have been nice to get up there and get three points. For the people that are like, wait, wait, Union, yeah, what the hell's going on? Yeah, Sporting KC was a long time ago where they snuck away with a with, with a point on the road. Now you have this game. Um, and then you got two crucial games against Columbus, as we just touched on right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it with this team? You know, we're in the dog days of summer. I think they're a good team. Sometimes they don't show up. Last night was not good. It was just not a good performance against Montreal. If it wasn't for Fafa and that ball kicked right to them, they don't get a goal and they walk out of their shutout. But here's, what is it with this team right now? Here's what I think it is. Jim Curtin thinks the depth is the best it's ever been and that it's going to be like a huge defining part of this team. I don't think it's there yet. I just don't see it. You know, you're supposed to, if you have this depth, you're telling me about and I know I know what's out there if Chris Pontius and Alejandro Bedoya Andre Blake are not in the squad McCarthy McCarthy proved himself against Kansas City he's proved himself in the Open Cup we know what he's capable of yep but the field players this front four mainly because they're stocked at at defensive midfielder if but Dunyanin or Bedoya goes down, Jones comes in. If Jones is hurt, like, you know, he's got the concussion right now, Craval comes in. Worst case scenario, Brian Carroll's there to stop gap and, and play games. Or, or Adam the Jam or Ken Tribbett can can go in there because they've played there with Steele. Sure. But the front four. Who's doing the scoring? Exactly. We all we all know CJ's going to start up top. We know Fafa Paco's locked down the spot there. El Sino and Alberg. The last month or so at the number 10, not bad, but could be better. Yeah, agreed. The Herbers injury hurts them a lot. Pontius being away with the national team hurts more than I think people thought it would. Bedoya hurts. Bedoya for the, for a leadership aspect, yeah. yes. Yeah. Plus, he was playing good soccer, though. In, in the last couple of games, you know, Team USA, definitely for the union. 
He's yeah. he's he's shining these last couple games. That when when that no, he hasn't scored goals, Eric Walinda. But bottom yeah. line is, <laughs> Alejandro Bedoya has showed up and he's looked good. When right. you have that Madunyan and Bedoya combination together, when it starts rolling on all cylinders, that's going to be something huge for the Union, and that's something they're going to need Saturday night. And not not taking anything away from a Derek Jones or Warren Creval, they're solid players. They, they've done the job. They've done what they needed to do in that role. It's not like they've had terrible games with Bedoya out, but Bedoya brings that that synergy to the team, and he can also move forward out of the, the out of his number eight position. You know, Warren Creval is not going to do that. Derek Jones isn't going to do much of that. You know, he's he can connect more, and there's a little more trust with Harris there that he can stay back, and if Bedoya is caught forward, everything will be fine. And they'll be able to, you know, hold hold back the counter. Yeah. But you look at this this lineup last night. Originally, it was two Elsinos. I don't know if you guys caught that. No, I didn't see that. The the, the graphic error that <laughs> which which would which would have scared anybody to have two yeah. versions Ooh. of Elsino out. In the field. Imagine having ten Elsinos. Yeah, on I the give phone. him a rousing oh, endorsement God. on Tuesday, and then he just plays. Ho- I'm sorry, I'm, I, got a per- <laughs> I got a personal beef with Elsinio. Right and now. then so Roland Alberg's starts with an Elsino together and it's just so disjointed when they because yep. it they both play so similarly yeah. and there's not you're not getting that massive work rate you're not getting a massive you're not getting a connection between the front three and sure you can go ahead and criticize CJ Sapong or, or whatever you want to do with him leave leave him alone he's not the problem you know mm-hmm. he he can only do so much as a lone forward in that system if he's not getting Create, creators behind him yep. doing the job. And look, Fafa Pico's been a bright spot. He's played well. But the Union should have been up one nothing in the third minute. That was horrible. You have to look up instead of just dribbling with the ball at your feet. Mm-hmm. El Senior was wide open. And I'm not going to lie, I, that might have, have an effect on how the game played out. Yeah, Because there was frustration there. There was Clear frustration from Elsino. He was wide open in front of the goal for a tap-in. Could have been one nothing in the third minute. Changes the complexion of a game. You have a Montreal team starting a couple couple young guys. They're without their main playmaker in Piotti. Yes, Jamaili was in there, but it's it's kind of a different different style you're playing against. Absolutely. So so yeah, I mean it's well, I, I hate to say go back to like the Bedoya hitting the the post with the penalty against Toronto thing, but it's one of those things where if this one play goes the union's way, it's a different game. I I can add two more to that. Uh, Jay Simpson taking a shot from the top of the box. Um, I mean, pretty much wide open, crazy on chance, missed, you know, to the right a little bit. Um, And I think that, you know, again, I think he's, for what Jay Simpson has been asked to do, he's been playing well. But if you're getting paid that amount of money and you've got a shot like that at that critical moment when you need a goal to tie this game up, you needed a point that's out of that is. game. You know, that's what that's exactly he right. has got to put and that away. We, the you union needed someone to step up. Ryan and, and I were talking about this before we jumped on here. I think the reason why we're upset with with the Jay Simpson thing is because of how much he's getting paid. Right. If he was a say a two thousand dollar two hundred thousand dollar striker. Right. Coming off the bench, and if he missed the one chance, I think we'd give him a little more of a pass. Right. But I think because that price tag was slapped on him, and it's not not if 
no, of his doing. No. But because that price tag was slapped on him, there's that expectation that you're going to come off the bench and you're going to score mm-hmm. and yep. you're going to make an impact. Now, to be fair to him, he has made an impact on games in the last yes. month or so that Absolutely. he's played. But that was the one we needed. But that, that was you know? the moment. That, exactly. that was his moment. Uh, the other the other one is we said before uh, Blake went to, to join Jamaica that there's going to be one save a game that you know we're, we expect or you know we not expect but that, that 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 Blake is able to make that McCarthy won't be able to make and I think that happened last night and on the header I just have this feeling that that's something Blake could have gotten um, and you know what and, and McCarthy's doing the best he can and and he's a he's a, a, a very fine backup and he's I, I feel comfortable with him in goal while Blake is away my only point is. I just have a, a gut feeling that Blake, that's that's the one save we talked about that Blake could have made that Maca- that uh, that McCarthy. If he would have made that one, you know, it wouldn't have shocked me because Andres had a couple of those wow uh, exactly. Saves. But you know. I have a I have a question for you because I'm this is something I'm very curious about, and we'll throw it out on Twitter later. If you're a Union fan, who do you root for in this Canada Jamaica game tonight? Are yeah. you are you? Are you rooting for Jamaica and you want to see Andre Blake have success on the international stage? Or are you rooting for Canada to make sure that Andre Blake is able to take a flight from Arizona to Ohio That's, in time for Saturday's game? Yeah, I mean, I'm I, being really selfish on that. So I, I just want to see Andre Blake play well, you know? And, and did he have a clean sheet in the last one? He, Mexico, so yeah. Does he still have a clean sheet, consecutive clean sheet? after? I mean, it's just crazy. He had like three, uh, yeah. I think, for Thank, Jamaica. Yeah. Um, so uh, do, I want Joe's to see him continue now. to do that. I, I, I can't be selfish. He's no. on the national stage. You know, playing for his country. He gave up one against El Salvador in the last group game. Not only that, but I mean, so yeah, I want to see, I want to see Blake do well, and you know, Corey Burke too. He's a steel player. Mm-hmm. He's coming. He's had some minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: I want to see Blake do well. Yeah. If Jamaica loses, I I I'd I feel sorry for him, but it is a positive Absolutely. for the team. Get There's, him back. But if he continues, I'll be just as happy for him. Yeah. Well. Union got to figure this out. Uh, obviously, the uh, home of home with Columbus is, is not going to be easy. As Joe pointed out, uh, on the road um, has not been you know, an advantage for the Union this year. So we shall see. That's Saturday night at Columbus and then Wednesday back home. And here's – and we're getting, we're getting some feedback on Twitter, and we appreciate you guys. Follow us at Union Soccer Talk. We're getting a ton of feedback every game. We love it. Keep sending it over. We'll, we'll keep yeah. mentioning it on air. And I, we got a lot, I guess, of fed upness with El Sino and Albert. That yeah, was pretty universal. And when you look at someone like an Adam Majem, who probably could make an impact, but might be a year away from being the, the true impact player that we think he might be. But in the current situation, with what you have at the 10 and, and you have in these attacking places at least for the next week or two, because Pontius probably isn't going to be around until the New England game next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Love him getting minutes last night, too. Yeah, I think that was a great move was great. to see him. We had a guy in front minutes. of us with a Pontius jersey. Yeah, he did. And he was like, yeah! <laughs> and, the, and you can't fault Chris Pontius. You know, you can't blame the Chris Pontius situation because, look, he's worked his tail off the last yeah. oh my few God, years yeah. to get to that stage and, and earn those minutes and, you know, even try to impress Bruce Arena at, at his age. So that's something you can't take away from him. None. But with what you have right here with the Union, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Hill Senior on the wing and having the gem in there in the middle or some combination of, of that to see or apps to come in and, and give him a shot. 
something's got to change. And I think bringing one of the young guys in for some fresh energy on Saturday wouldn't hurt the union at all. I mean, look, the crew had that really, really hot start to the season. Uh, They're down below the red line now. So they're kind of in the same boat as the union, you know, but they don't, the crew haven't, haven't tied either. Wow. They have one tie all year, the nine, 10 and one. So that's crazy. It's one of those things. It's one of those oddities in MLS. I think that's something, you know, you kind of look at like, wow, this is something, no, but this is the nuts and bolts right now. You know, like I said, the dog days of summer, August was three home games in August. You know, they, they gotta three, go. three home games against some of the best teams in MLS too. Sure, sure. But this is, what do this you is always the, say? Gotta win your. Gotta win your home games. You yep. have to win your home <laughs> games, but you also have to steal points on the road. True. And I mean, this stretch is perfect for the Union. Yeah, it yeah. is. Look, I said what five to six points the other day, Ryan. Yep. Still on I, the table. It's still on the table. Mm-hmm. You win. You get three in, at home against Columbus. You can beat New England. You can at least scratch and claw a point from Columbus with your absentees on Saturday. You know, when you go back to the New England game, everybody's going to be there. Blake's going to be there. Pontius will be there. Pontius will be fresh because he's probably not going to play much. Mm-hmm. But Doya will be fresh. You know, you have that. Your your core is going to be there regardless against New England. So if you can find a way to, to get four points from this Columbus stretch and then go up to New England and do something against the revs you're you're putting a little bit of distance between the bottom two yeah with new england and dc and then you're making sure it's as close of a fight as possible with the red bulls orlando columbus and montreal and if you look at that the group of five that could probably make the playoffs if i told you right now if i just said hey do any of those teams impress you what would your answer be can't say no. Nope. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. It's it's up for it's up for the grab. You yeah, know. It's, it, I think we said on Tuesday, Toronto, Chicago, NYC, and Atlanta are gonna make the playoffs. Right. Yep. You got, and unless New England and DC miraculously come together, which in their defense they they have before, they they've could. done it before. They could. So you need to bury them as, as much as you can now, just in case a run happens, because this is MLS and both teams have done that before. It's a five-team race for two spots at this point. Agreed. And uh, Curtin and I bet you the boys, they know exactly what they're looking at. A um, lot, of, lot of games left, but, uh, you know, they're, they're slowly ticking away, you know. So this is a time for them to go ahead and, and get something together and see what they can do here. Um, and, and I know Union fans would welcome that because last night's performance was lackluster. Let's get on the board with the victory this Saturday night at Columbus and keep it going at home on Wednesday. I will not be there on Wednesday. I'm heading down to see Man U take on <laughs> Neymar list FC Barcelona, right? Neymar's not going to be yeah, there. He's not going to be there. I don't know. We'll, we'll, Is that not official? It's like, not official. Like, it's not official. I hate soccer sometimes. So, no, the, tra- the tra- transfer rumors are the worst. Yes. And then uh, uh, Lukaku, he signs with, with Man U. I'm excited. I'm I'm texting. I got the thing, and the next you know the next day it's like no, it's not official yet. He yeah. might uh, yeah. he was somewhere else. I'm like thanks che- for taking yeah, my best Chelsea, player. Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. What? Like no, I already bought the jersey number nine. Let's go here. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for taking my best player. I, yeah, 
Yeah, I wouldn't be. T- I wouldn't be too too concerned if you're an Everton fan right now. Yeah, that's true. We're, we're going to be. We're going to be. Just I think fine. they've spent <laughs> just just enough to, to get by. They could probably. They, they, if they don't get top five this year, I'll be very disappointed. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to that game. Obviously, Man U is touring right now. It's pretty pretty cool to see those guys play. I mean, it, you know, they're all friendlies and. But you know, I like the that's LA a, Galaxy. It, I thought that was a cool game. Yeah. I didn't oh, see Embiid the Salt Lake game. I didn't see the Salt Lake game. They won two one. It's, it's a big year. It's a big year, and it starts right now, really, for these guys. Yeah. You know, the Europa World League. the World Cup's in June. Yeah. No, the World right Cup is in June, and you have to, and this is I something. I remember Firefly like it was yesterday, watching, uh, who was it? It was uh, Spain? Was it Spain and U.S.? Or uh, Portugal? Portugal in, in U.S. World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Portugal, yeah. Yeah, yeah Portugal. When, name, uh, when uh, Ronaldo. Ronaldo in the yeah. last 93rd freaking minute. Yeah. Unbelievable. I was at Firefly. And yeah. everybody was on their knees. Yeah, I was. And that, and that's and as crazy as it sounds, you know, it also affects MLS. We think we've talked about this, where it's a World Cup year. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these guys, you're maybe not Yuri Ibrahimovic because we know what he is, but like you're, you know, these these guys that are getting not getting minutes at European clubs are gonna try and go to other European clubs to stay in the spotlight mm-hmm. after next summer. You know, you look at Chicharito. Just went to West Ham. He's been linked with MLS for a long time. The reason why he didn't come to MLS, money. I mean, money demands are, are a lot too. But he wants to stay in that spotlight. Yeah. You know, he wants to stay in the European spotlight. Make sure he's at his best game for the World Cup. So, if this summer MLS as a whole is kind of a bummer of a transfer window, which it's starting to look like it will be, to put it in perspective, after the World Cup. Next summer might be a better chance for the league just because players don't have that much more riding on the line. So I know it's still 11 months oh, away, yeah, long but, but, away, but yeah. keep, keep it in mind, if, sure. even if you're you know, a fan of MLS in general, the big names that you're used to seeing come over each summer might not come over this summer. But next summer, especially as the league continues to grow and as these expansion teams keep spending money keep an eye on that more than this summer now who's, who's getting the next expansion team is it raleigh <sighs> who knows i saw raleigh's uh, raleigh, raleigh had, had a nice had a nice stadium plan yeah. come out cincinnati from what i hear i can see Sa- raleigh being successful. sacramento wants to make a uh, make a run san antonio wants to make a run phoenix rising with uh, drogba they all want to make, they all they all want to make, make a run, run and it sounds like Obviously, LAFC's already in. Miami, I think, will eventually get it together. Um, I think it, Sacramento will get it. Cincinnati, I think, is making a great push right now. Yeah, that's a tough one, are you? Uh, Detroit's making a huge push right now. Tampa Bay is making a Tampa's push. Tampa's make you know, there are all all the markets are still out there, and you know we'll know more at the end of the year. But yeah. that'll also have something to play with with the transfer window too. It's a, be what. a great segue. Speaking of USL, um, I will be up in Bethlehem uh, this weekend right. watching both the Steel and the Union games and then the following weekend doing a special episode of Union Soccer Talk up in Bethlehem. But this uh, this Saturday we're watching the Steel, the US, and the Union all at Molly's Pub up in Bethlehem. Come by, say hi, and uh, I'd love to, uh, to to talk to you a little bit about my, my special episode coming up on the 29th. Word. Hell yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of action on Saturday night, that's for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, that will do it for us here on Union Soccer Talk this week. And uh, make sure you check out the video. Obviously, 
uh, with Calkins Media. And it's not a thing anymore, Sean. Yeah, my bad. I was just, uh, yep, yep. <laughs> so who are we out? What's our Gatehouse platform? Media. Thank you. My bad. Woo! Our, our dear friends at Gatehouse. Well, you know, hey, Gatehouse, we're all family. We're all still family. Get, you're still getting used to it. And it's still Calkins <laughs> somewhat, right? So, yeah. You know, like we were hanging out last night, Mr. Ellis. Good stuff. Uh, but hey, good stuff as always. You need to find a victory on, on Saturday. Get to Make this thing interesting as we come down the stretch here. Dog days of summer fast approaching. August, man. Wow. Summer's already over. How about that? Uh, make sure you check out the video. Joe Tanzi, Ryan Ellis. I'm Sean Brace. Talk to you guys next week. Peace.